0: One. Okay, all right, okay. Hold the phone, just a tick. I'm pretty sure you're just starting at the end. And you can't start at the end. Where's the suspense? The rising action, as they say. It's like storytelling 101, am I right? So if we could kindly back up keep going freeze right there this feels right obligatory proverb that's both foreboding yet extremely obvious bingo this must be the beginning okay classic movie trailer voice take it away in a world full of perils an epic journey begins across treacherous seas staring danger directly in the eye no No, 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 not buying it directly (coughs) in the eye. Come on, we can do better than that. Look, I know what you're thinking. Pirate ship, pedestrian Jack Sparrow impression, treasure, yo-ho-ho kind of deal. Well, it's not. It's more than that. It's a story about adventure. And who would be brave enough? Some might say crazy enough. To go on an adventure like this. I set to go on an adventure like this. Oh, for the love of... Forget it. Cue the montage of our heroes looking obnoxiously heroish. That's what I'm talking about. See, these are the strongest. Like mythical titans who faced a thousand beasts. These are the courageous, who've taken on the world. The timeless, the fearless, they are larger than life. Marred with the dust and sweat and blood from hundreds and hundreds of days and nights. they traveled and battled. This is their quest for gold. For glory, for immortality. Now, I know you think you've heard this story before. But tonight, forget everything you know. I'm serious, everything. Because tonight, fate leads the way. And fate, my friends, Has a funny way of surprising us. Forged in blood, hatched to gold. Tonight, sacrifice to war. Adventure awaits. I can feel it in my veins. Tonight, with History waits for no one, and the time to shape their history begins right now.
1: Cool. So Austin Theory. Austin is a place in Texas. If you had to be named after a city in Texas, what would you choose as your first name? And you can't have Dallas, too easy. Arlington.
2: Oh, lovely. That's good. I'll be uh, I'll be El Paso then.
1: <laughs> oh, that's lovely. I'd go Sam Antonio. <laughs>
2: oh, I thought you gonna, I thought you were going to say Victoria for a minute.
1: <laughs> I, w- I was going to, and you know what? I couldn't remember if it was Victoria or Pictoria for so some out reason. Out I don't out think Pictoria is even a place.
2: No, Victoria's out where out Austin's out from, out out it?
1: On yeah, on oh, son bitch. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my classic Stone Cold Steve Austin impression, me. <laughs> 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 <It's fucking dreadful. laughs> <laughs> Sorry, right, no, one,
2: no one else has had the heart to tell him all these years, man.
1: <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Sounds like For- <laughs> if Forrest Gump is impressive. Magic leg drops! Oh, that's sex.
3: New leg drops! New leg! Oh, that's
2: so funny. <laughs> <laughs> right, next up, this is quite good too. Titus so O'Neil's on the platform and he says. Hey, hey,
1: hey, hey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Someone has to host the rest of the show and that's him. And that's all this happens. He
3: just,
2: <laughs> he just officially announces himself as the host and then we're done. You've been
3: hired a necessity. <laughs>
2: well, I'm, but I'm not even sure there was a necessity because that's all he says. <laughs>
3: Well, he, um, well, he, he did show his face after he the, uh, the, the firepower yeah. yeah he does. I know, I know.
2: Um, then we get an advert for WWE's community work where smiles matter most
1: fuck off right and then we get <laughs>
2: On night two of WrestleMania thirty six, their COVID WrestleMania today. Joining me to take apart WrestleMania thirty six night two is first of all the polar bear, Matt Roberts, Gentlemen, How are we doing? We're doing all right. And how are you doing? This is your second WrestleMania show in a row, and they're both the ones without the crowd. So how are you? Are you feeling? Are you feeling energized, or are you are you? You know, how's it how's it going? <laughs> With opening into two hundred spoilers, I feel a
3: little bit more energized actually. Oh, there, there, there was actually some surprises. ...on this show. Some duds as well, which again we will get into, but there was certainly some surprises. So
1: I feel a lot more energised than the last time there was no crowd.
2: Okay, good stuff. And we also have old man Sam Terry with us today.
1: Hello you two sharpshooters. How we doing?
2: <laughs> Interesting. Contributing to the constant bread versus Sean... <laughs> yeah whatever and, and just to add to it old man's wearing a pink shirt today just to show his support for the yeah
1: for the Hitman. but i am wearing some chain link trousers i'm
2: just disappointed you're not wearing any uh, a hat with like mirrors on that he had in
1: 1995 i do have a quick thing so obviously you touched. the I'm not going to touch on the lack of crowd in my review. Fair enough. <laughs> That's what I'm going to try and do. But I really thought, I was like, you know what I need to do? I need to get used to not hearing any crowd or anything. So I watched three weeks of AEW television. Fucking <laughs> 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 have it, Tony Can, <laughs>
3: <laughs> Ha ha ha, isn't that hilarious? Yes.
1: <laughs> oh my
2: good god! That's my favourite <laughs> accent of the week for our uh, regular features, old man ripping something on AW, and uh, that was a damn good one. I got, I got, thank uh, you. could
1: see the shitty dingering on his face as well. <laughs> you
3: know
2: what? It was, it was a great one.
1: I had another joke related to <laughs> no crowd, and that I, I reckon five minutes ago popped into my head. I was like, that's my <laughs> gig, fucking <I'm> puns. <laughs> <dance." laughs>
2: Good stuff. So expectations today then,
3: Matt, you've already sort of gone into us a little bit, so let's start with you. Well, like I said, I mean the 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 last one was was a uh, you know quite hard to get into because of no crowd, which we you know, we I think we've discussed. I had nausea at this point, so you know I, I'm going to try and avoid it as well if I can possibly can. Can't make any promises. We'll see what I can do. No, exactly, uh,
2: especially as you started with it. I mean, you, you haven't really done very well there. <laughs> exactly, which is
3: why I make no promises. I'm nothing if not consistent. Like I said, there there were some surprises in this one. So in terms of my you know my expectations for it, I, I was they were definitely quite mid compared to what we. saw last time but i do i remember this one a little little bit more and i don't know why but there were some things that stuck out for me for this one so it wasn't too bad but again like i said we'll uh we've got some interesting we've got some really interesting topics to discuss for this one today i think a lot more than last time before we get your
2: uh, expectations on man the word mid does that just mean like average meh is that what it means? Yeah. I'm, I'm not really up with the, a lot of the modern technolo- uh, technology. Terminology. <laughs> can't even
1: say terminology. Right, Hogan. <laughs> terminology.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, but, but it's kind of meh. Okay, good. Old man, what's your expectations?
1: So, I'm like Matthew. I, I'll be honest, I won't particularly look forward to watching it, but I knew that there were going to be at least I'll be honest, okay, says can't remember after the card, but I knew that there were going to be two things on here that were going to call some good talking points, at least as we go through the show. And that was what I was looking forward to. I was also looking forward to the challenge of not mentioning that there's no crowd through my <laughs> review. And this isn't part of my review. So shut okay, up. Okay, fine.
2: I was going to say, you've already mentioned it twice. so uh... What?
1: The the lack of crowd? <laughs> yes,
2: that's the one. Um, the fact that there's no one in the building, you know, that that thing.
1: Oh, that one, yeah. I didn't know it, yeah. to be honest.
2: Did you not? Well, that's because there was no crowd, so you couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't know. It's good to you.
1: No, it's very strange. Very strange. Some really weak pops, I thought, in this show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, so let's go straight to talking points. Uh, I think we're all geared up for something here. Why didn't uh, either one of you? When you jump in, do
3: you know what? I was spoiled for choice in terms of talk. To- I, I, I I don't know why, but I, I can't remember the time where I had so many that I was struggling to pick. And in fact, there was one that I was going to go with, but I've now changed my mind because I want to go to something completely different. Can I can I guess what you're going to ch- your pick? Yes, you can. That there's no crowd. That is exactly <laughs> what I was going to go for. It's just, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> what I've decided to talk about is Otis and Mandy Rose. Wow. There are so many things that I can say about Otis and Mandy Rose. And, you know, I, I'm probably going to shock on a lot of people here as well. Let's bring in Dolph Ziggler to the conversation. There's been many times on this podcast where the very sound of I'm here to show the world and I hear that stupid fucking theme song, the second I hear it just makes me angry. I was pleasantly surprised by this time. It filled me with delight. And that's probably the only time I'll ever say that about a Dolph Ziggler match because Dolph Ziggler played the perfect part for his role in this angle. The Mandy Rose, Dolph Ziggler, Otis sort of love triangle was so, so well done. And the thing that just upsets me the most, and I'm already going back on my rule, but fuck it, is because of no crowd. It's robbed of not just what I think would have been an excellent WrestleMania moment, but you know what? God bless Otis. I don't think he's ever probably going to get a WrestleMania moment Equaling what this could have been ever again Maybe he will I'd say the odds are extremely low But for those who who didn't see it at the time This was so fucking over Just go back and watch Otis at the Royal Rumble When he catches Mandy Rose as, as she comes off the apron The fucking crowd pop for that And this only built and built and got better and better And it's one of those things that in a way I didn't think that I'd like You've got... Otis, and God bless him, his big fucking fat belly (laughs) jiggling around in the shirt that's too small for him, which clearly does on purpose, is the guy who, you know, when he hugs Mandy, he he has like sweat and oil all over her, leaves the imprint of his gut over her top, and it's just fucking hilarious. It's just the most strange love sort of story ever. But when Otis eventually gets the girl and Mandy kisses him, that should have been one of the biggest crowd pops. You know, possibly even of the night. Not necessarily of WrestleMania ever, but fuck it. Who knows? Let's let's, let's (laughs) just let our minds go there and just think what could have been. It could have been that great a pop. So for that reason, and because I don't think he's ever going to get it again as well, I'm going to go in there right early, right now. My... MVP of the night is Otis.
2: Good for you. Good for you. Just a just a bit quick note. If It does appear that old man's puppy is also uh, got obsessed with his toy again. So he may get some squeaks during this recording <laughs> like we did for WrestleMania 35. Lovely stuff.
1: Correct. Correct. I, I couldn't hear it. And I was like, oh, what's that squeaking going on in Matt's house? <laughs> and I was like, I just looked over at the dog in front of the fire. I was like, oh, there we go. There it is. So I agree with you completely, Matthew. And I I kind of kept up with WWE during this period because I found I found how they were going to handle the whole situation very interesting. I loved like the first I think it was SmackDown SmackDown after SmackDown after lockdown, um, which isn't the name of a TNA pay per view. They have Austin there, <laughs> and he does the what thing? Uh, he goes, give, give me a hell yeah, and the camera is just on some empty chairs. And I was like, you know what? They're WWE, and I know you covered this in the last episode. Last episode, they're doing this in, I think, just about the right way. They're doing it in just about the right way, built to entertain rather than for any genuine. Well, apart from something on this card, for any genuine like wrestling content. But this story was amazing, and the reason why it was amazing, and I, from having heard you on this pod, Matt, and had discussions with you, I think the reason you will have loved this so much is because at no point is anyone making fun of anyone. It is a decision that the audience make, I think, in my experience of, well, in my memory of watching the build-up to this, in that Dolph Ziggler is just a heel who thinks that he's sexy as fuck. It's not the fact that he thinks Otis is ugly. That's kind of semi-implied, but it's never expressly said. And I thought it was handled with wonderful subtlety, I thought, by WWE, which is actually quite amazing. And I must say, I mean, what's the match, like nine minutes, something like that, I think? It's pretty much, if you're going to do this and you're going to do it under the circumstances, it's about as good as you could get. I I thought the end was lovely. I hated JBL's constant jibes about Otis. He is the one bum note in this whole thing, because so he's talking about how unattractive, how sweaty Otis is. He doesn't call him fat, but he kind of implies it a couple of times. But I thought, as a match and as a little spectacle, I thought this was really very, very good indeed. No one's getting my MVP, but they can have an honourable mention. All four of them. Sonya Deville as well out on the ring, out on the ring side. I've got so wrapped up in all the excitement about it. I just I, I know
3: these things that I forgot, So just there was so much like the match itself for me it was almost secondary, like I knew that Mandy Rose was going to come out you know potentially for for the save at the end, and I can't remember the last time that I saw a match when I was just begging for it to come to the end, so I could see the interference. It's like, yes, that's what we want we want Mandy, and how many times have people really sort of cheered for Mandy Rose to come out, God bless her, but This was done so well, and you know, you raise a great point there, Sam. It's it's not as if they were, you know, like specifically and outwardly mean about Otis, and it was all implied. It was nothing, it's not like they were like calling him you ugly bastard or anything like that, you know, (laughs) as as, you know, as, as tasteful as that would have been. It was great. It was, oh, it was, it was just great. I loved this.
2: As tasteful as WWE storylines during a war. That's uh, <laughs> that's what they usually do in this sort of situation.
3: No, I agree. I think the
2: reason, though, that you're seeing it as not mean or not as mean as, as perhaps WWE usually do things, and the thing I took from it was that it isn't cynical. It's strangely uncynical for WWE, and they are usually really cynical. Like, I could easily have seen, and I don't know what ended up happening in the storyline, and it may, may very well have come later in the year, but I was expecting... At the time, Mandy Rose was just to, to to turn on Otis because that's the usual way WWE would go in this situation, especially in the last sort of 10 years or so. That's their default kind of, oh, let's just let's just screw everybody over because it's only Otis. He's only a mid-card guy, so it doesn't matter. Um, but it does matter because people want to be paid off. People want these things to have a nice, happy ending. And this one did, at least at this point. As I said, I don't kind of remember or don't know what happened in the end with them. The match was, yeah, I mean, it was what it was. It was a bit rubbish, but you're right. Otis will no doubt, and probably Mandy Rose too, in fairness, given that she's no longer with the company as well. They probably will regret the fact that this didn't, this wasn't in front of a crowd. They won't. That's going to be a theme, I think, for some people during this show. But I, I, I agree. I think the, I think the story was done really well. I was trying to remember why I thought that because I definitely didn't watch any of the rules or anything. So I'm really glad that you reminded me, Matt, that they had the thing at the Rumble because I remember thinking, oh, this is really interesting. I quite like this. And then they obviously paid it off here. And and what was on show here wasn't that amazing. I didn't think, but you know, obviously because the crowd wasn't there. Yeah, I, it, I just think it's the lack of cynicism that's that this is told with. It's actually so told with a kind of almost predictably happy ending which as i say wwe works so hard so often to try and swerve everyone and it's just not necessary like just give us the ending we're expecting that's how most things most artwork works even in music there's a predictable way in which the notes end up falling most of the time because that's just the the comfortable way that music works Is you resolve a melody into this and you come back to the root note most of the time films are the same you know what's going to happen at the end of a film so there's a sort of there's a predictable if not the journey is not predictable, but the end is usually predictable. And that's what this had. And as I say, wrestling and WWE in particular tried far too often for far too long to try and swerve their audience. And it was just great to, to see that that didn't happen here. So that was that was really good. As I say, the match wasn't up to much. But yeah, I, I agree in broadly with you. It was it was it was good fun.
3: It was a happy ending. And like you said, how
1: often do we get the happy ending?
2: In WWE, very, very rarely. And it's really, really
1: unsatisfying.
2: Oh, man, what's your talking point?
1: I'll be honest, Matt kind of caught me off guard going with that. So, oh, what should we go for? What should we go for? There's so, there's so many. <laughs> you, got, you know what? There are. And I'm also very mindful that we've got a whole other... Don't worry well, about We've that. got to do... This. Put the quality ah, up first.
2: front. It's fine.
1: All right, go on then. Let's go for John Cena versus The Fiend, Bray Wyatt. <laughs> so, this got mentioned on the last show. Me... Tom and Tinky watched this over a call together uh, on the Monday after it was shown. And I remember watching this and thinking, you know what? That was a bloody blast. That was so weird. I'm not entirely sure what it was, but I really, really enjoyed it because it was really silly. So I watched it this time, but I actually paid attention to what was going on. So I paid attention to what the build was. And there's many, many issues with what goes on here. John Cena absolutely buries the fuck out of Bray Wyatt by saying that he is the most overhyped, oversold something like superstar of all time. Basically saying he's all fart, no shit, and that he actually should have ended his career at WrestleMania 30. Like he's basically saying you're shit and you're not worth the time. That they've invested in you.
2: So the whole thing was worth it just to just to hear the phrase burying the shit out of someone. Because I've never (laughs) heard that before.
1: (laughs) But yeah, and then Cena comes out. Nanessa, I kind of thought I'd have to do this, but I could have addressed a couple of the points made in the last show. I love that there's a ring announcer there. I love that. Because I think what it does is it doesn't make it any different to anything else. I think that they're just doing it. It's actually quite reckless what they're doing, really, WWE, at this point in time. Like when the lockdowns were so serious, Florida were very liberal with their uh, lockdowns. And they're also liberal with their tax laws, which is why uh, WWE are down there as well. But um, yeah, like maybe having another person in the ring announcer there was probably a bit reckless because you don't want Mike Room getting uh, COVID. So last thing you want was it Mike Room? Not sure. Possibly. Or was it Greg? Or was it Greg something? But yeah, anyway, completely forgot what I was going to say. And uh, oh yeah, Cena comes down and he addresses the camera after some truly horrendous acting. Some really awful acting, like some of the worst I've seen in WWE. And uh, yeah, like really, really bad. And then he says, welcome to WrestleMania. And then it cuts off and then you're in the Firefly Funhouse. And for those who haven't watched it, the story is basically the start of Cena's career up to his appearance of WrestleMania 35 when he comes back as the Doctor of Thuganomics. And then there's the illusion, well the illusion through the whole thing is that John Cena is this generation's Hulk Hogan and then they flat out do it where they have him come down as N.W.O. Hogan with Bray Wyatt pretending to be Eric Bischoff. And I'm sat there and I'm like, this is fucking dreadful. (laughs) Uh, Bear in mind, Bray Wyatt it sadly passed away. Wyndham Rotunda has passed away. So I have a lot of I have a lot of goodwill. I know this is very fickle, but I have a lot of goodwill to Bray Wyatt when I watch his stuff now. This is fucking dreadful. This is so bad. It's so insider. It's so against everything that WWE tend to do, which is why I think I th- thought I enjoyed it the first time. It's dreadful. I just thought it was absolutely awful. Cena is a terrible actor, a terrible actor, like absolutely awful. The magic nonsense is shit. And I thought this was painful and soul crushing. But apart from that, I quite enjoyed it. Five stars.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm... I'm, I uh, I didn't like it the first time around. I remember, you know, just being like, I don't understand what that nonsense was. And I, but this time I, I did the same as you, old man. I sat down, paid attention, and I still fucking hated it. I just fucking hate it. I don't care. Like, interestingly enough, on Cage Match, this is rated really highly. It's like something like 8.4 yeah. average rating. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why people think this is any good at all for me. It's just, to be honest, it represents a lot of, in my view, what's lazy about pro wrestling in twenty. In 20- 23 and from since before 2020 in fairness to them like it's all vague references to stuff that happened in the past but with no real thought behind them it's just like oh we, we've got this story between Bray Wyatt and John Cena and instead of having Bray Wyatt want to beat john cena because john cena beat him six years ago and him saying you know that loss really put me on the back burner even though i've had great success in my career since i've always had the thing in my back of the mind could i beat john cena could i beat john cena instead of that it's i want to beat you now john cena because you've squashed my push six years ago and that's fucking stupid that's just not a story that's not a wrestling story That that's just nonsense and i and i and that and that immediately put me in a bad mood but then the actual thing itself is also fucking boring it's really boring and i just hated it i just hated it i didn't like it the first time i didn't like it this time it's a cornerstone i think of this show because it's so it is unique nothing's ever happened like this before and i credit them in some way for trying to do something different and again in some way they did have to do something different because of the position they're in, in terms of the the covid and the fact there's no crowd that thing again but this isn't it for me and I just, yeah, not for me at all. Out of curiosity,
3: do you guys think I give this a thumbs up or a thumbs down?
2: I think you're going to give it a thumbs down because you were nodding along, but that might just be you being nice. <laughs> um,
1: I, I think it's going to be two thumbs down, and your toes are pointing down as well. Your big toes, not, not all your toes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think you will have hated it like I'd hate leprosy. <laughs>
3: Yeah, all, all, all fairly yeah. accurate descriptions, <laughs> I think. This was just solid turd. Part of me wants to say, well done for trying, but you know what? I take that back, because they tried something different last time with Undertaker and AJ Styles, and I fucking loved that and thought that was incredible. So there's no excuse. You know, they had something different that they could you All right, not, you know, not to say that they could have done exactly the same thing, but, you know, they had a situation where they had to pivot... And they did a great job. This was not it. You know, you, I think you both have it sort of spot on. This was far too smart-ass for their own good. You know, trying to be cool and insider and, and all that. But it was it was just stupid. Cena was you know trying to hit Bray with punches at one point you know and Bray would put his hand on him you know like a scooby-doo scrappy-doo villain you know let me at him let me at him type thing which just you know Cena's meant to be the top guy that made him look like a dick that was stupid Bray taking the piss out of him doing the Nikki Bella you know you can look but you can't touch Ha ha ha. it wasn't any good and you know again they had to do something different I know that but you know to even call this you know like a match it it wasn't, it was, it's just one of those, like, and again, I, I do, I really do like Bray Wyatt and the early stuff of some of his characters I, I thought was great, but they just lost the way at some point and all this, you know, magic and, you know, Firefly Funhouse and stuff is, on on paper, it's it's okay and it's cool, but in theory, it, it just doesn't work. I mean, you know, the, the Vince McMahon puppet and that, all right, you know, haha, it's funny to... You're, you know, a funny Vince McMahon puppet. Say like, That's good shit. But what's this got to do with, you know, like you said, wanting to win a match? You know, surely Bray should want to kick his ass for kicking his ass a couple of years ago. And he, and he didn't. It was, it was bullshit. It wasn't any good. Gigantic thumbs down. R- real miss this.
2: Yeah, I agree. And, I, you know, I am just in general. I'm not I'm somebody who instantly gets turned off by insider stuff. We're recording this, I should say, a few days after CM Punk. Made his debut re debut on SmackDown and and he cut a promo which mentioned everybody. Uh, Matt, you tweeted about it saying you really liked it. This is what people want. And I watched it and I was like, Yeah, it's a great promo. But guess what? I didn't like the one bit I didn't like was when he started talking about Kevin Owens and punching someone backstage. I was like, What the fuck? Like, get I rid of I'm that. Say that. <laughs> That's CM Punk's excesses running into the store, into the show, which is, Oh, I've got to be a bit insider and a bit edgy. And I fu- fuck that off. And it didn't land at all. The crowd did not. React in any way. They went straight over their heads. It was all like, oh, what? Like, don't care. And you just leave it behind. If there was a time where people were into that, it has passed, in my view. I didn't like it when people potentially were into it, you know, back in, you know, um, actually, that's not true. In 2011, when CM Punk cut his pipe bomb promo, I loved it like everyone else. But it wasn't very long after that that I realized it was detrimental, ultimately, in my view, to the product and to the success of their product. But If there was a time when people were into it, that time has long since passed. We are now in the in my in my opinion, the vast majority of wrestling fans just want to lose themselves in whatever you present to them. They don't want to feel like there's something else behind the curtain that they've also got to know. And this was it. This was all this was was just insider. Oh, you know, let's let's be smart. Let's be cool. Let's, Let's say say things that take people behind the curtain. I'm just I'm not interested. I'm
3: just not interested in that at all. But as I say, it was also boring was also really boring do you know he was really goofy and, and that's a particular shame from john cena as well because believe it or not he's actually a relatively good actor and he's played goofy on screen and he's done it quite well you know he's actually quite good at taking the piss out of himself you know i don't know if you've seen the film but for those who haven't seen it, a film called train wreck amy schumer film which he guest starred in and he's sort of like a fitness freak he you played a boyfriend in it and he was really good to take the piss out of himself in it yeah the, like this wasn't it this was too goofy I, I didn't feel like he was taking the mick out of himself
2: in this see i i just figured i just thought it was like it felt like it was trying to be serious like i he was he was portraying a kind of a, a vulnerable version of himself like as if this was some kind of fever dream and and that's you know what we got and I, and anyway i can't explain it i'm glad they've never gone back to well as far as i know they've never gone back to do anything like this they may have done it later in 2020 i wasn't
3: watching at the time but for me yeah just no not for me yeah that this will be the first and only firefly fly flan-, flan house
2: flyer flan <laughs> stuff
3: good stuff
2: all right well seeing as we're on negative let me be negative again oh here we go Fuck off, Edge, and fuck off, Randy Orton. Fuck (laughs) off your stupid, fucking, boring, long fuck off of a match. Absolutely fucking shit. Like, legitimately, one of the shittest matches I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Dull as fuck. Just 36 minutes and 41 seconds of two men slowly walking around a small area because they haven't even got a a, a big stadium to do this in. They're they're literally trying to make every inch of this performance to mean something. So they they go into a sort of gym bit and they they stay, stay there for like 10 minutes in this like tiny little area of whatever, punching each other slowly because this match starts off with Orton RKOing Edge twice in a row, so they do that thing which I've also complained about in the past, where they go straight to the end of the match, so where they're both fucked, which I don't mind if the match lasts six seven minutes in fact, that's a good way of of making a match that sh- that you, people expect to go long go a lot shorter because you take them straight to the bit where they're at the end, and as long as you cover it in a decent way, which I thought they did in fairness, I think Orton coming out of nowhere, RKO and Edge immediately worked fine for me. I'm happy with that. Then the match should last six, seven minutes, not 37 minutes nearly, which is what I got to. They then go get themselves to a warehouse. They spend another 15 minutes in this warehouse again, slowly punching each other, being on the floor for long periods of time. It's fucking awful. It's it's absolutely awful. It's boring as shit. But it doesn't have my MVP, is the referee, because he spends 37 minutes solid counting. Reminded me of me when I'm trying to get my son back down to sleep in the middle of the night, constantly counting how many seconds he's been sort of down and quiet. So I'm starting to estimate when he's asleep. And I nearly fell asleep every second of this match. It was terrible in every way shape and form uh, Old Man's just returned he had to move away for a second so he doesn't know that I'm not I'm not talking about John Cena and Bray Wyatt at this point I'm now talking about Edge and
3: Randy Orton. Uh, oh,
2: Matt yes. what's your uh, what's your uh, response to that?
3: I would give anything and in fact I can't wait for when this comes out so I can listen to this again because I would give anything <laughs> to go back in time and just relive a fantastic rant. Bra- Bravo Ben I thoroughly enjoyed that what's funny about it is that this was potentially going to be one of my talking points as well now i didn't like this match but not nearly as much as you i don't think there were one or two things in this i mean yeah let's you know get it out of the way for the most part this was fucking dreadful and a last man standing stipulation in front of no one is a very bad idea Touchwood. We never, ever, ever go through any period of pro wrestling history that has matches in front of no one again. Do not have a last man standing match because it doesn't work. So that's a start. It it was very long winded and yeah, it it did get like to the end almost pretty quickly. It it took a long time for them to remotely draw me into this, and probably the one time where they did was Orton with the draping DDT on the sort of truck, which I thought. Fuck, that looked, you know, quite brutal. Also, that woke me up a bit. But then yeah, the, the rest of it was shit. Um, you know, the the spear and the RKO on top of a truck was nowhere near as cool as perhaps you would like to think it is. Um, it just it didn't really work. I mean, what I will say is that the the reason that I'm kind of giving them a little bit of a pass is I felt that based on Edges sort of acting towards specifically towards the end, I felt they were really, really trying to get some, because th- they probably knew that, you know, it was going to be shit in front of nobody, and it was. But they tried, and I, you could really see, you know, like in Edge's acting to, towards, you know, specific specific specifically towards the finish, that he was really giving it his all. Like, he didn't want to have to do it to Randy, you know, when Randy were tag team partners, you know. Like, after the finish, you know, the concerto even hugged him, you know, sort of hugged him after after he'd beaten the shit out of him. So, you know, to try and make it look like he felt bad for what he did sort of thing. He was nearly crying because he didn't want to have to hit Orton with a concerto because of all their history. So, I give them a little bit of a pass for that. But, yeah, let's be realistic. The match sucked. What, what, you know, what have you got to say, old man? (laughs)
1: I never really like paid enough attention to the build to this to realize that this is where grit started in the description of Edge. So obviously we had uh what was it the It couple versus the Grit couple,
3: yeah.
1: uh, Miz and Maurice against Beth Phoenix and formerly Edge, gritted the um, superstar. Yeah, that's correct. That's him. You know him. You know him. <laughs>
2: uh... Was it? Did they say, call it gritted? What a what a what a wasted opportunity. Sure it's got to be the grated. Superstar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? No. I mean, they, they should have done, but I don't think they did. <laughs> no, I mean, if anything, that'd be a bit too cheesy. Hey. <laughs> oh, oh,
2: oh, oh, oh. oh God, God, you took him long <laughs> enough, <old> man. <laughs> Oh man.
1: <laughs> I, I can and bear these puns.
2: <laughs> oh, God. It's a feta company, uh-huh. old man. Just get on with it. <laughs>
1: uh, anyway. Right, let's start. So, I liked the attack by Orton at the start. So, he edges just waiting, looking like a bit of a pleb, to be honest. Looking like a bit of a loser. And then uh, he gets RKO'd by Orton. And I'm like, here we go. And then uh, then they do some stuff, to be honest. And I, by Christ... And then the referee starts counting at one point. And he is like, you're talking about people who don't need to put in the effort that have been put in, like the ring announcer and stuff like that. This referee does not need to shout anywhere near as loud as he is shouting. I don't know who, <laughs> who he's talking to. He's got a microphone on. And it was, because of uh, the acoustics, it just sounded really odd. So it was like, and it was like, sorry, mate, what? No, d- didn't catch a word of that. Great time, though. Great tan. Great, neat haircut. Edge swings into Orton, hanging from some weight thing. Effectively sits on his face. Which, I mean, I watched videos where that's happened with women. And I didn't find it particularly attractive. Two men? Two sweaty men? Now you're talking my business. Uh, what do you say? I, I So I missed most of Tinky's rant. This was agony. Like, <laughs> absolute. 36 minutes and 50 seconds, or something, I think it is, which has no doubt been said by Tinky in the roundup. I have complete agreement with you, Matt, the situation they're in, last man standing match. I mean, come on. That If any match relies on crowd involvement, it is that. When we watched this, I can remember me and you watching it and Tom was just on his phone after about 10 minutes of the match. Which, I mean, if you know Tom, pretty standard anyway. Yeah. But he was like, oh, that's just really boring. I didn't pick up my phone specifically because I thought this was going to get better. <laughs> and when they got out, they got out. So they go to the, the bit where the trucks are. There's a massive ladder set up. To what end? I've no idea. It's not set up to go anywhere. They've got massive, like, warehouse shelving there. So it could just be lean. It's not even used to the ladder. It's not used, but it's set up. It's enormous. i like, oh. And then, um, it was on commentary for this one, it's Tom Phillips and Saxton. I said, yeah. Yeah,
2: but you, you, but you wouldn't know because the because the production values are so shit. You can barely hear them as well on top of yeah. everything.
3: Well, you're whispering. I genuinely yeah. whispering.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I
2: was like Jerry, I mean, Jerry Lawler voices all round.
3: <laughs> I was like, man.
1: Well, hang on. Hang on. So, so Matt, you do that and then I'll do my impression of the two combatants in this match. Go on, you do it.
0: Oh, Sex Seven!
1: I mean, that's infinitely
3: better than the match. I mean, and fucking the feud... Tremendous all-round acting, by the way. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, the feud... What is the feud,
2: no, anyway? I, I, funnily I, enough, after I had my rant, there were two things that I thought of that I hadn't said. And one of them was the, the commentators whispering, and the other one was the feud, old man. Yeah,
1: you've got Edge comes back, and this is it's, This is different, because there's nine years between, seventy or is it seven years? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, he shouts nine years at Randy. That's all he does. Just goes, nine years, Randy! I'm like, well, you're a fucking crazy person who just likes to shout about how many years there have been. Yeah, so the story is that, obviously, Edge's Edge's comeback at the Rumble is fucking amazing. Like, every time I have seen the engine, it's his face. When he comes out and he gets that ovation, he looks like he's going to burst into tears. I never mentioned this before on the show, like, how he holds it together, I've got no idea. Like, 50,000 people blowing their loads. And <laughs> the following night, he obviously comes out on Raw, and then Orton comes out, and he goes, oh, we were... Our team partners. Orton's work in this section is excellent. I thought he's really, really good. But he arcades him, and then suddenly, and she's like, I'm going to fucking kill this cunt. It's so, like, what? And then he arcades his wife. Not very nice, a grand new. This is the glamazon, Beth Phoenix. She's been in the Royal Rumble. She's not... No. Like, her being whacked around by men isn't like isn't acceptable, I grant you, but bloody heck, like, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. He then talks about his daughters. I'd be a bit fucked off. if like, I had some daughters and or, and was talking about them. Then I'd be like, Orton, oh, you've got about nine kids, so no, what are you doing? But yeah, so there's no real th- reason for the feud and to get back to the match. I think so avoided talking about the match because I don't know what to say. Well, I have no idea but, what to say, if, except if to the fact it, that...
3: <laughs> if you do want to avoid it, sorry to interrupt you there, old man. I can kind of clarify... I can clarify the story a bit for you if you want, because in all fairness, oh. I can I will stick up for them here. I thought the video package before the match was actually very good, and I felt this was a night of good video packages for them, actually. But what, my understanding of what the story was is that Edge has obviously made his return, but Randy Orton thought that was selfish of him to queue to keep doing it as a regular thing again, because he was going to get hurt. That would upset his kids. He'd be in a wheelchair, wouldn't be able to play with his kids. So Orton was going to take him out before he could do damage to himself. Uh, something along those lines, anyway.
2: That's, that's exactly the story that they were telling, and it's fucking stupid. Because... <laughs> because you're right he's like oh you know i i wanted to make you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself you're gonna put yourself in a wheelchair you're not gonna be able to play your kids. so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna rko you R- rko you then shove your head between still two steel chairs and crush your skull yeah that makes sense that makes complete complete sense if you don't want him to be hurt oh yeah fuck didn't not very good calculation then he comes out talks to beth phoenix about how he loves edge more than she does and you're like i'm gonna Did you forget that you crushed the guy's skull between two steel chairs? Like, none of this makes any sense whatsoever. And then Edge decides that he's not happy with Randy Orton. So Randy Orton says he's going to put him in the hospital. And you're like, hang on, the original reason you beat him up was because you didn't want him to go to hospital. What's fucking wrong with you? You're an idiot. So even the story made no sense. For me, again, going back to the Bray Wyatt, John Cena Laziness. This was another incredibly lazy story, and given it was Edge's comeback story after nine years, I'm like, you can fucking well do better than this. It is shit.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. So yeah, um, what? Do, hang on, I'm just going to try and read through my news but like I said, I'm really struggling with this. Oh yeah. So there's a bit where Randy goes to Concerto Edge. The referee is pleading with him not to. Don't do it. He's got a family. He's got a family. No, don't do it. And uh, then about, well, what felt like about two and a half weeks, but was probably about three minutes later, Edge goes to Concerto and then does Orton for the finish. Referee, don't no give a fuck. I was like, hang on, mate. bit of fucking double standards. We know Orton's got a family. We saw his wife at WrestleMania 25. Fucking hell. It was bad. It was bad. It was a
2: bad story. Yeah. It made no fucking sense. It made it was not logical. And then it had this at the end of it. And then they had the temerity a couple of months later to advertise their next match as the best match in wrestling history or whatever it oh, was. Oh that took some
3: balls to be that took some balls
2: to be fair. I didn't watch but, it. I can't I can't I can't verify whether or not it was the best in the not in history in this world. No of course not. I'm not after this. See, anyone <laughs> who did after this is a fool. This <laughs> is exactly Honestly, what's wrong like, with wrestling fans. If they did watch it, they should have been like, I'm not watching that this was shit.
3: Oh, honestly, you read because it's absolutely fascinating. It's it's actually a good match, but it's mm. fascinating to watch. I'm not gonna
2: well yes. we may we may cover it one day, but I'm not watching it out of leisure, that's for certain
1: <laughs> I, I agree 100 percent with Matt. I thought it was a really decent match that they put together. It's very long, but the thing is is like I remember hearing both Orton and Edge talk about it like to. Two years or so after, and they were like, it was a joke, but WWE didn't lean on it, so everybody yeah. thought they were being serious, and they were like, they just threw it out there to Vince as a joke. They're like, oh, we'll have the best match of all time at Backlash, and he was like, ah, I'm gonna do it. Um, anyway, back to this. Oh, I can't come forward.
2: I think we're done anyway. I think we're done. Yeah, on this one. we've covered it you know, pretty. You know
1: what? I I like talking about it because. Something else triggers tinky, and I, I don't think I've seen you this triggered by something Not since I kept mentioning Michael Barrymore the other week.
2: <laughs> so it doesn't take much to be honest, this was like the inverse the way we've all hated on this match was kind of like the inverse of uh our when we talked about Bret versus Owen at WrestleMania Ten where we were just gut, I know Matt, you weren't quite so gushing, but you still were positive about it. <laughs> And we were all, and the, th- the other three of us were like absolutely positive in nearly every way. This is like the antithesis of that. It's the it's the opposite. It's like Matt's <laughs> been slightly more mild on it, but yeah. still didn't really like it. And I've just like yeah, you know, just torn it a new one. I just found it so boring. I just found it so fucking boring. And it defies any logic whatsoever. The story, mm-hmm. the decision to make it 36 minutes, the decision that if you're going to make it 36 minutes, you then don't, you start on two RKOs like. None of this makes any sense. The, the fact you've made it a last man standing match in front of nobody, that makes no sense. The fact that you want to have another match afterwards and this is a last man standing match and it's their first match, that makes no sense. Nothing makes any sense apart from the fact that Edge and Randy Orton can go fuck off and now I don't want to see them again after this point in their career.
1: <laughs> well, th- thankfully they're not on any of the WrestleManias to. Oh. <laughs> looking forward to the next one
2: looking forward to the next one it's warm in here (laughs) so let's go quickly back to the start of the show before we take a break because at the start of the show, we got almost exactly what we got at the start of WrestleMania 36 Night 1. Stephanie straight to the camera. Uh, for the first time in 36 years, we are proud to bring you Night 2 of WrestleMania. Then we go into the WrestleMania intro video, and which is exactly the same as Night 1. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, also, despite this, these two things being exactly the same, they didn't also put the America the Beautiful montage in again as well. So the best bit that was on Night 1 of this start was removed, and then they just repeated the other two things, which is a real shame.
1: Yeah, I know that you uh, did a breakdown of the um of the video. Oh shit, annoying crap. Didn't like it. Get on with it. <laughs> yeah, I like they tried something different, but it's fucking tedious. Just fucking, it's unfunny. It's it's WWE comedy, isn't it? Which means it's not funny.
2: It's definitely not funny when you're watching it for a second time. That's no. the other thing, you know. So two night, two nights in a row, and you're like, all right. It, and also, it's a fucking long one. So when I was recording, when I was doing the post edit mm. for the last episode. I was like. Flipping hell! This intro is like five minutes long, and I was a little bit bulky in even doing it and putting it on the front because I was like, Come people on. are going to turn off before they even get to us because it's so long. Um, I may have to do something different for this one because just to make it sound different from the uh, the original one.
1: T- Tinky, perhaps you could do the audio from the uh Randy Orton, uh, Randy Orton Edge match. <laughs>
2: yeah, all thirty six minutes of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Then we get a light show, this time with Tom Phillips throwing to Rob Gronkowski. Who says that WrestleMania continues right now and Charlotte Flair's music hits. We then get a hype video of Charlotte winning the Royal Rumble and then being interrupted by Rhea Ripley before she can choose who to face for at at WrestleMania as a consequence of that win at the Rumble. Ripley challenges Flair to challenge her. Charlotte then arrives on uh, NXT and she attacks Ripley and says she'll see her at WrestleMania. Uh, Rhea Ripley then talks direct to camera about their match that's coming up. Did you want to talk about any of that or do you want me to go straight to the match?
1: i actually didn't keep up with any of this build didn't really i kind of knew who rhea ripley was but i kind of stopped watching an xt at this point I, well, I had a little break she's fucking a superstar immediately isn't she i know i know it's very much the benefit of hindsight because the first time i'd seen her was this match and obviously we'll get into this match but fucking hell when she came out on raw i was like that lady is a fucking superstar and i was like wow I'm glad, in a weird way, and we'll get into this with the match, but the setting that this match has, I think probably delayed her becoming the star that she now is. And I think her traje- <laughs> trajectory... Trajectory? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, <laughs> hang on, hang on. Hang on, Matt. So I'll say I think her, and then you can say that word. I think her trajectory would have been very different if there had been more people present at this show. But yeah. Go on, Rhea Ripley. Go on, Riptide. Do you know what? It's funny you mentioned that.
3: Well, in terms of the video package as a whole, God, I thought this was great. Again, I, I felt they for a lot of their video packages, that they did such a great job. And seeing part of this show some of the classic NXT sort of gold brand, I oh, my God. I can't tell you how much I, I miss that brand.
2: No one cares, Matt. Fuck off. Oh. It's, 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 old <laughs> now, it's old news now, oh. mate. It's old news.
3: Stop. No. It's
2: old news. It never went anywhere, and
3: it for collapsed. As, it's done. As much, as much, Honestly, for as much as you guys pine for the days of Bret Hart, <laughs> this is what I pine for: okay. is for that bra. Oh, just to hear Mauro Ronaldo's voice again. Oh, fuck just, off! Oh, fucking boner. <laughs> just so good. That's the best bona. bit about Edge. For, <laughs>
2: that's the best bit about Edge and Randy Orton is that Mauro Ronaldo is not commentator, oh,
1: Mamma mia! God,
3: I love it. But anyway,
1: Mamma really- mia! He's punched him again. Oh, my God, it's another punch. Fucking hell, it's another punch. He'd have had an aneurysm four times oh, in the first six minutes.
3: He's so <laughs> good. He's just so good. But the video package aside, now, you said Rhea Rippler being a star immediately. Now, I saw her on an NXT UK taping. Can't remember the year, but this was, I mean, my God, you know, everyone's probably seen, you know, saw clips of her in the package, you know, with, like, her long blonde hair and, like, mm. looking like a Barbie doll or, you know, like, you know that type of look. And I never rated Rhea Ripley, you know, way, way back during that sort of time period. I've got to be honest, I'm not particularly crazy on her myself now. That being, that being said, I recognize that she is a fucking star. I don't like her, but I do totally get that she is an absolute star. And when I was watching this, at the time I was thinking, ah, oh, fuck, I don't, I'm not quite sure, you know, that the result was the way they should have gone. But looking at it now, I, I do think it's probably one of the best things that could have happened to her because she now she is the whole total package, I think. For her coming out on Raw a couple of weeks ago with Randy Orton, and do you know what, that not seeming like a bad idea... I'm not thinking, well, you know, she could handle Randy Orton. Wouldn't have thought that a couple of years ago. But she's, yeah, like, a you know, definitely now 100% total star.
2: On a slightly different topic, well, very different topic, but it just made me think of it at the time. It's been a long time since I felt like a wrestling company should use weight limits. But I like the idea of them using the weight limits in the women's division because there are two very distinct sizes of women in, in WWE at the moment. There are large athletic you know, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, you know, Shayna Baszler, quite large women who are you know, really tough. And then there are a lot of small women like Alexa Bliss and Kyrie Sade and Nikki Cross. And it just feels like it's rather than having two titles that are just nondescript, they should have two titles, but one be a I don't know what the appropriate weight Division names are, but one to be a heavyweight and one to be a, a lightweight, for example. I just think it would work really well. They've got that now, almost ready made for them. I I think that would be really cool. Sorry, I just wanted to say that because I, I really reminded <laughs> remind me of it when you said about Rhea Ripley coming out to face of Randy Orton.
3: So could, they could do it. Who who knows? Maybe they could.
2: I agree about Rhea Ripley. Like she just, she does feel like a star. She, she she just felt accomplished. You know, the minute she stepped into Raw, and you see it so often. Like, you know, I think in the last. I found it really interesting, actually, since Triple H has taken over, he has given opportunities to a lot of people from NXT who'd perhaps been in NXT for a while and really hadn't massively impressed. But he thought, you know, what, I'll give them a run on the main roster because let's see, they may come up and suddenly turn into something that we just never saw before in NXT in front of a smaller crowd. And nine times out of ten, it's not worked. It's not happened. But looking back here at, in 2020, when Rhea Ripley was brought up to the main roster, she was absolutely ready. Like she was absolutely ready for it and she just looked assured immediately. Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair then have a 20 minute match for the NXT women's title. Rhea Ripley's going in as the champion and uh, Charlotte Flair wins when she applies the figure eight and Ripley taps. This is my match of the night. In fact, I think it's my match of the weekend. I think this is bloody good. I think this is bloody good. I really do. I think this is really good. I'm glad we got some, I was able to get some positivity in, just in the first half of the (laughs) show, because I've been sorely lacking it. I thought this was really fucking good. And I had high hopes for this night overall when I saw this, because I didn't remember this from when i originally watched it and that's partially because i really struggle to concentrate when, I, when i'm when i with people when i'm watching wrestling I, I find it much harder to do so but and not like we were physically together but we were watching on skype and uh yeah this was yeah just really 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 impressed with this thought it was really really good
1: I agree. And this is my match of the night. It's a close run thing between this and Edge and Orton, but just, (laughs) just, uh, just pipped it. To be honest, it's got everything that Edge and Orton hasn't. This is fucking intense. I know that they have just a smidge over half of the time, but this is intense from the get go. And I have a vague recollection of seeing a behind the scenes thing of them filming this. And at the end, Charlotte is like talking to Rhea Ripley, and she says she was like, "You really brought it." And I can remember thinking I was like, I was a bit "Fucking patronizing. and I realise now, watching it back, what she meant because they fucking leather each other. They are taking this up. They like you get out of this kind of situation. I think what you're able to get out of it as a performer, and these two people were perfect for it because Charlotte. Don't give a fuck if there's fans there or not. She's just incredibly good at what she does. And she could be a fucking horrible shit face heel, even in an empty room, because she she's playing to the cameras. They get this just right in how they call, right? how they're calling each other out, how they're selling as well. Rhea Ripley's selling of her left knee is sensational. It's so believable and she's so bloody good at it. I love that she hits the riptide reasonably early and it takes the referee maybe two seconds to get into position. And it's just like, oh yeah, cool. Okay, I can see how Charlotte kicks out of that because no one had kicked out of it at that point. And Rhea Ripley doesn't do what everyone else fucking does, which is sell the fact that someone is kicked out of their finisher for like four or five seconds. <laughs> She's just straight back into it. She's like straight back on her. I thought this was fantastic. I loved that Rhea Ripley put a clover leaf on uh Charlotte Fair. I think it looks amazing, that finishing move. And the knees that I've got, oh a yeah, bloody uh, Christ. Oh my days, my days. Really bloody good. And I will break my rule once. This in front of a crowd. Agreed. Oh. Agreed. Off the off the chain. They'd have ruined the rest of the night. I, <laughs> I genuinely think. think. Right. Yeah, I yeah. do think you're right. S- sensational. And Rhea Ripley is now the level of like Sasha Banks. When Sasha Banks in the company, Air, like she's become their go-to person. And I feel like she's bought an intensity of the level that Bailey and Sasha did in their TakeOver match, TakeOver Brooklyn match, where it was like, this is like nothing we've seen. where in that case, pretty much ever with female wrestlers. And now Rhea Ripley brings it all the time and is kind of elevating people. Sensational. Well done, everyone, including be, us.
2: <laughs> it will be interesting to see what they give her at WrestleMania 40, certainly. Mm.
3: Enter the polar bear. There he is. Here we go. Fucking women's wrestling, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you know what? I'm going to swerve you all. I am in complete agreement. This is my match of the night. And I'm going to throw another one in there. So far in the WrestleMania series, this is the best women's wrestling match we have seen out of all of them so far. I might even potentially say that it may be better than some future ones that we see. We'll get there, don't worry. But as it stands right now, this is the best women's wrestling match we've seen. This was outstanding. And I wasn't expecting that. I don't remember it being that great. I don't really remember it at all, which is quite surprising, actually. But this was bloody brilliant. Again, I can't say enough good stuff about it. I think you both had some great points. I, I totally agree, Sam. You know, Rhea was selling the need beautifully, you know, little things, like where she'd go to the top rope, hit a drop kick, and then, you know, she'd immediately sell her knee afterwards, whereas a lot of people would probably forget. Damn right she didn't. Her selling on the knee was fucking phenomenal. Charlotte was intense as fuck. The chops, you know, she was hitting, the strikes were great. One of the, you know, sort of positives, and, you know, it's very rare that we get it, but one of the positives of there being nobody in the crowd As you could hear the trash talk between them and Charlotte just constantly, you know, having to go at her, you know, this is your NXT champion, come on and, and all that. It was genius. She was phenomenal. Like I said, looking back now, I do think it was the right result at the time. I didn't. Now I do. Um, You know, Charlotte went on to, you know, to defend the NXT title over a couple of months at different takeovers anyway, so... That worked out really well. I can't remember what happened with Rhea afterwards, but obviously we certainly know where she is now. And just as a, as a quick shout out, because I vividly remember this one. I can't remember the exact pay-per-view, but it was a Money in the Bank pay-per-view. It was either the year after or the year after that, where Charlotte and Rhea had another match. That is as good. I remember that very well being phenomenal. So I can't remember the year, but if you happen to find Charlotte versus Rhea, Money in the Bank, go out of your way to watch it. This was truly fantastic piece of work.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, in my haste to tell you all that this was my match of night and match of the weekend and I thought it was really good. I kind of forgot why and I didn't <laughs> I didn't have anything to say about it. But I've had a bit of time to review my notes. And the thing that you said Matt, about the result is the thing that really stood out for me is that this was an excellent lesson in how you put someone over and still beat them like Rhea ripley came out of this looking the absolute equal of charlotte flair absolutely one of the top women stars in the company and she lost and she didn't need to win and it either that was that was a massive part of it for me i completely agree with you about the leg and the selling there's one bit where her leg seems to fold in on itself Mm -hmm. when charlotte does a chop block on her and i'm just like this looks so fucking like real like, it just, it was just great. I just, and like you said, oh man, this was in front of a crowd. Fucking hell, this would have been yeah. one of those matches that people be like, it's in the top quadrant of WrestleMania matches. Like, it's it's just absolutely excellent. And I do agree with you, Matt. I think so far in the WrestleMania series, this is the best women's match we've seen. I can't think, and I've watched all of them. I, I may be forgetting something, but I can't think of anything that's better than this, to be honest. Tremendous. Great job. All right. On that positive note, let's have a little break. Um, We'll be back in a few minutes to cover the rest of the show. Which brings me to my next guest, the boss, Sasha Banks, and the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion, Bayley. Now, Bayley, it's no secret that you've had a record-setting and groundbreaking year as champion, but tonight could be your greatest challenge yet.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, that's one way to put it, but uh, I would put it as unfair, the most unfair challenge in history, Okay. Because there's one of me, I am one champion, and there's a five-way elimination match, which means I have to beat four other women, uh, including your best friend, uh, Sasha. Yeah, I know. How do I know you're going to say that? You're just like all those other sheep. You're like everyone on Twitter. You're like everyone else. Trish Stratus, all these people have these speculations and trying to drive a wedge between us. Kayla, look, we're we're united. We're best friends. And, and there's, there's nothing that's going to stand between us
2: and this interview is over kayla wait sasha you've been nxt women's champion tag team champion four-time raw women's
0: champion but you've never been smackdown women's champion so how badly do you want to win that title tonight well kayla
3: i guess we just all have to watch and see
2: Right welcome back to the show and I realized that at the beginning of the show I've neglected to mention that this is in fact our Christmas episode this is out on Christmas Eve when it what? comes out. Ooh. Yeah. So everyone's very excited some of you may even be listening to this on Christmas day which is which is tremendous and as has become traditional for us at this time of year it's time for some very worthy thank yous to so many people who make this mm. podcast both possible and worthwhile. First of all Thanks very much to all of our listeners from the avid can't miss a moment crowd to the I listened for 10 minutes once and it was all right group. Obviously, we don't know who all of you are, but we did want to shout out to those that have interacted with us in some way through social media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads and YouTube to Rob and Spicer. We want to give a shout out to friends of ours from school that we are aware are listening to us on a regular basis to Lek. We used to live with old man and Tom and to Chris Walkden we want to thank you for the truly motivational feedback you've given us during our time doing the pod the messages you have sent to us are the reason that we keep doing this thing to Rory Backmire from the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast who was such a big support in the early days of the podcast we haven't heard from you in a while and haven't seen you on Twitter for a while but we hope that all is well with you and also to Chris Lacey from the same podcast who helped us out earlier this year thank you to Bad WWE Stats on Twitter for continuing to be a source of great mercy. And for combining two of my great loves, professional wrestling and Only Connect. Thanks to Paul Matthews at the Classic Wrestling Review, who I believe in his epic journey to review every WWE, WCW, and ECW pay-per-view is now up to 2002, which is tremendous work. Thank you to listeners who have been with us pretty much since day one: Paul Seklich, Daniel Estywit, Navdeep Brahil, Ben Emerson, The Downturn, and Anthony Davis. Your ongoing support is not going unnoticed, and you are all legends in our eyes. Thank you also to what I believe are new listeners in the past 12 months Callum Barnes Dopper Freshly Squeezed Wolverine and Dante Rose we hope you are continuing to enjoy the pod and will be with us for the journeys that are ahead thanks to Neil Adshead who has been listening to me since the Daily Squash days and whose surname I still mired in controversy about how it is actually pronounced thanks also on Twitter to David Bezinger and The Pro Wrestling on Facebook to Antor Sarker and Christopher Madriaga on Instagram to Jelly Pie and Lee Williams and a big shout out on YouTube to Declan and Leo and their brilliant channel FUW Leo. Also a big shout out to Gavin Duenas, who has thus far only appeared on one episode of the pod but we hope to have him back in 2024 and to James Truepenny who has appeared on the pod on numerous occasions in the past and who remains a massive supporter of us. We hope to speak to you in 2024 as well. Finally, thanks to my co-hosts who have helped us get nearly all the way through this epic WrestleMania series we have been on since late 2022. Alex, Rockstar, Kirky, Stephen Coriander, and of course, the polar bear, Matt Roberts. And finally, a big thank you to my fellow founders of the podcast, Old Man Sam Carey and Tom Smith. And one last one last thank you to a pretty important group of people that, in fairness, we are incredibly harsh to on this podcast and who this would not be possible. It is the wrestlers themselves, because fuck me, do we give them a hard time? We give them a fucking (laughs) rough ride on this podcast and we want to thank you for just doing it so we can, at the very least, take the piss out of you, which is basically all we do so yeah there's all the thank yous i'm telling you that message is getting longer and longer every year so um which is yeah. a good thing because it means that we clearly are reaching more and more people but um yeah it's uh it's been a pleasure
1: well oh, and, uh, oh. i i did have a word with all of the listeners and they want to pass on a big thank you to you as well tinky
2: oh thank a little,
1: you very f- much. Uh, a little festive thank you because uh i know this has been mentioned many times on the pod before and you better leave this in tinky but uh tinky does 96.3% of the work on this <laughs> podcast and I think that's probably downplaying it a little bit and we love you the bits Tinky so thank you very much
2: That's very nice and 96.3 I believe is the frequency on which you can used to be able to find GWRFS Yes! So. amazing Probably
3: stuck out that that thank that giant thank you there that is the reason you're host that's why you're the captain of the ship
1: nice one given it's christmas eve just seen uh, Chris Freer driving at the moment <laughs> I wonder what he's up to. <laughs> so see Matt's that. Yeah, that. Yes. Shit singing. <laughs> yes. So oh, many, you bastard. <laughs> many, many years ago, me and Tom were out with a guy, Stu, that he used to work with. I think his name was Stu. Real lovely guy. I hope he's well. Can't remember your surname. You remember me though. And we had in that famous way that Tom and pretty much only Tom can do. I met him for a couple of pints, <laughs> and he, I, I think uh, I think it's probably about eight later we made it home, but uh, yeah, he read the, that joke on Facebook posted by Bob Mortimer, and we were killing ourselves. And then Tom stole it, and then would intermittently update me and this stew guy with uh, how many likes it had got, <laughs> and claiming it as his own. Ah, great times there, Bob Mortimer, what a legend.
2: Excellent stuff. So we then get a look back at night one of WrestleMania after a WWE Shop.com advert, which we saw on night one as well. Then we get Alistair Black versus Bobby Lashley. This match goes for seven, just over seven minutes and is ended when Lana gets up on the apron, despite Lashley being in control, Lana being in Lashley's corner. And she tells him to do a spear, but uh, Alistair Black hits a black mass to counter the spear and gets the pin.
3: Matt, what did you think of this? Never listen to your manager, no matter what they tell you. They're always wrong. That that that's the moral of the story. This was how long did it take? Six, seven minutes. Mm. It, it it really was an to match, and this is one of those that as soon as they you know they started coming out and you know they did their entrances, I was thinking, fuck, this is on WrestleMania. I mean, my god, this would be a pre-show, pre-show, pre-show. Match. It's just very no. Just it didn't have a place on there. And and again, the sad thing. And I know you're gonna have a go again, but I'm gonna hop back onto the the NXT Golden Black era. My God, Alistair Black used to be the coolest fucking thing. And it just like watching him. It just wasn't there. Part of it was again. No crowd, that entrance doesn't work in front of nobody, so what's the point? But considering that, I felt like they gave most of this match to Lashley as well, who I know some people are high on, I, I, I'm not one of them. I, I, I think the Bobby Lashley experiment overall has been a bust. I'm not a big fan, so I, I this match was just there. And I completely forgot that in the storyline that Bobby Lashley and Lala were married, 'Cause they I'm sure they mentioned they were husband and wife at some point. I was like, what the fuck? Um <laughs> other than that, yeah, this is quite forgettable.
2: I wasn't sure if I'd heard that correct, but you've just confirmed it for me, so that's uh that's good of you, Matt. Old oh, man.
1: I thought that this played in front of a similar volume as it would have if they were in front of three hundred thousand people, to be honest, which was deathly silence. <laughs> Go back to the Alistair Black comment that you made. I'm I'm with you. I really liked him in NXT. Really, really liked him. And then he had a match on a takeover against someone, and I can't remember who it was. And it was effectively a nothing match. But he was, I think he might have been champion at the time, and it was just a nothing thing. And the guy that he was fighting wasn't, evidently didn't make it as anything. It might have been Lars Sullivan. It might have been, but it wasn't the main event. And I can remember watching it, and he couldn't get a match out of him. Mm. And I was a bit like, I don't know. I think you might have found you lovelier, mate. And everything that I saw of him on the main roster said that that kind of like indie style of match, I think, with probably slightly longer matches than he pretty much ever got in WWE was probably about where he sits. That's not a criticism. That's like a fair fucking play. I have no comments about this. Absolutely no comments beyond that joke I made. It's an angle for Lashley... And Lana to split up. That's what it is. And to your point, Matt, how the fuck is this on WrestleMania when you've got no like? It's not like they've got an audience, audience, a crowd that they have to fill time for. Like you can't have people turn up and then you do a two-hour show nowadays because that like, you're charging them hundreds of dollars. Fuck off. Just fuck off. <laughs> just Fuck off. Like. Well, they, well just they, fuck they, off. If they'd have taken <laughs> this. Ma- if this had
2: t- fuck off. If this had uh, <laughs> if this had been taken out, then it then this show this night would have been the same length as night one. So yeah. you're absolutely right, you could have just got rid of it.
3: Yeah. What the fuck they can fuck off then?
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this is a longer show than night one, uh, night two. Mm-hmm. My my in mind you that's because of Edge and Randy Oren, but um they could have taken <laughs> <laughs> this out. They could have taken they this out. Probably a bit of a, yeah. <laughs> Uh, i do not feel the same as you about this i quite enjoyed this match i, I did uh, i quite i quite liked it but i and i don't know what to think about Alist- alistair black uh i saw him for the first time in like 2013 he was on like he worked for progress uh as tommy end and i, I thought he looked really good he was he's he always had a really cool look basically and he was always sort of portrayed as quite cool but i agree i think on the main roster in wwe and i think To the same extent, really, in AEW, he doesn't just doesn't really stood out. Like it's just not really happened for him for whatever reason. And I put that down to largely the gimmick that he seems to portray in both Mm -hmm. companies, which is this. And I've said this before about other people, the vague mystery gimmick, which is kind of what he's got. He's kind of got the vague of always a bit dark, and that's it. There's there's nothing else to it. Like he's just (laughs) a bit dark, like Finn Balor, like Bray Wyatt, like you know any number of people. Yeah, he's got like a bit of a dark personality. He's got a little bit of he's 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 at one with the darkness. He's kind of like Undertaker adjacent. There's, and there's nothing underpinning it. There's nothing concrete that you can, you know, the Undertaker is the Undertaker. He is an Undertaker. It's quite simple. It's a really basic gimmick. It might be a bit childish, a bit cartoony, but you know what it is with Alistair Black, with the demon Finn Balor, with the fiend Bray Wyatt. None of it means anything like it just doesn't mean a thing. And that's I think that's what it is, because I think that's what he still does. And I still do, I just don't know what is it. What is the gimmick?
3: He's a spooky fella, and he <laughs> <laughs> But no, seriously, I'm not being I'm not being silly. What is it though? Like there isn't you can't you can't define it because it doesn't have any definition. I tell you what it reminds and this is such gonna be such a reference that so many people will probably not get. I don't know if anybody can even remember can you remember the character they try and call Mordecai. Any, briefly, anybody yeah, sort of, yeah. It reminds me of that. He just he just comes out spouts shit about darkness and fucks off. It's <laughs> like like is Gangrel's character better than this? Like mm. it, it
2: it is because at least you know what Gangrel is, but you there's just no definition to what Alistair Black is. It just doesn't it just doesn't do anything. But I did quite like the match. I thought they did quite well in, in, in the contest itself, and I was surprised. I wasn't expecting it at all, but I did think that they they achieved something. The other thing that I had a problem that did have a problem with though is that. They just don't look like they will have a good match. No. There's something about the size between the two mm-hmm. that just doesn't seem to fit, that feels awkward. And that's the only way I can explain it. It was a similar thing, the WrestleMania 35 match that Lashley had with Finn Balor. Again, like it just doesn't feel like it will work, especially the way they worked the match, which was that Finn Balor was his physical equal in that match. I think Balor power bombs him at one point yeah. you're like this doesn't make sense like how is this this doesn't work and it's the same thing here like they, they treat Alistair Black as his equal I think if Lashley uh, Lashley sort of moaned through certainly Finn Balor and he Balor had been the sort of underdog it would have made sense but here it's even weirder because Alistair Black's not small enough to do that either so it just it's just a weird one that their sizes collide but having said all that I, I
1: thought this was fine I thought it was pretty decent going back to lack of character I don't know if either of you seen it, So. This is December the 11th. So on the 8th of December, SmackDown, CM Punk cut a promo. I've only seen that little bit. But uh, he mentioned Seth Rollins, obviously Tinky's figure of hate. And the crowd starts singing Seth Rollins' song.
3: Yeah.
1: And Punk just goes, yeah, yeah, you carry on singing if you want, because that's all he's got. And he delivers it so perfectly <laughs> that you know he means it and I was just like oh it's phenomenal I thought of Tinky I meant to message you it was Saturday morning but my phone was in the other room could not probably get up the one that important but yeah I was like oh that's Tinky and I, I I agree completely with you on Alistair Black and I would not really actually properly thought about it because yeah he is he's a guy that I liked because of exactly that and I think you've hit the nail on the head. Team. once you get in into like the main roster, you need something but being a bit weird, yeah, <laughs> spooky, spooky. You sort of being uh, a bit of, a bit of a pervert, and also, and this is this what? is the, the a pervert. <laughs> How
3: is was <he> your pervert?
1: <laughs> no, you. <laughs> oh right, fuck Oh, God.
2: Uh, oh okay. right, that's okay then. He says.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, um. Also, he cannot help this. Being a but <laughs> the, no, the, no, the fact that he's covered in tattoos instantly limits his capability to be any other thing once he's carved out this niche. And this he definitely can not help. It's just the nature of social media now. Everyone knows that he's married to Selena Vega now, they're a really nice couple. And I think that also doesn't really help him either. But I'd I like to be an NXT though. Sorry, Alistair. Tommy. <laughs> Tommy. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> Uh, is, it that, is it true that his middle name when he was in the Indies was Bell?
3: <laughs> I was going to say you kind of you kind of can't help the fact that he's got like tattoos though. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, actually, actually, yeah, because he yeah, that's fucking
3: a good point. Did that. <laughs> He went and asked somebody to do
1: that. Yeah, I mean, in first, that's a very good point. I know what I meant, and you know what I meant, you cheeky little <laughs> scamp. <laughs>
2: Cheeky little perv.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, nasty, that.
2: So next up, Sasha Banks and Bailey are interviewed by Kayla Braxton. Bailey says her match is unfair and says she'll have to beat four other women. Braxton reminds her that one of those women is her best friend, Sasha Banks. Bailey says that they are united and walks off. Then Sasha Banks also says something, but I didn't actually catch what it was because I was too slow in my my writing out.
1: You missed Um, Kayla being a shit stirrer.
3: Yeah, and
2: that's basically what she was doing.
1: Yeah, so yeah. Right. I gotta be honest, right? This is a very well-worn trope, isn't it? The best friends turning against each other. I thought, as a small little promo segment, as a casual fan, I think this is always quite important when you're at WrestleMania or, or the Rumble, one of their bigger shows that casual people are going to watch. I think it's quite important to give those little things. And I think they kind of managed to just go, there you go, this match, this little five-way elimination match that's going to happen later, there's this little bit of tension here, so look out for it. And I thought, you know what, fair enough, hey, it's no great shapes, but we then get have to listen to Mike, uh, JBL after this, and I was like, bring back Kayla Braxton. <laughs>
2: Indeed. So we get an advert from running the Bank, first of all. Then Michael Cole and JBL recap R-Truth losing the 24-7 title on night one to Mojo Rawley. And then Gronkowski is with Charlie Caruso. And Gronk says he wants to win the 24-7 title tonight.
1: OK, I need to I need to come in on this because this wound me up for about a minute and a half. Lovely. So Gronkowski cannot get his words out when he's talking to Charlie Caruso, can't get his words out. He's stumbling all over him. And I was like, oh, poor little He's Obviously no, he said, no, hang on. This is pre-recorded. <laughs> and I was like, is this the best they could get? It must've been the best that they could get. Even Charlie Caruso looks at him like he's a wounded puppy. Uh, at the end, she's like, sorry, Gronk. It wasn't <laughs> the best, was it? The Gronkster. No, not the best.
2: Then we get a WWE 2K20 advert. And then all the Dolph Ziggler and Otis stuff Then we get WWE Network advert Then we get all the Edge Randy Orton stuff Which we've covered, it's lovely We're massively smashing through the show now Yeah. Then after all the Edge Randy Orton nonsense We get Mojo Rawley being chased As a bunch of other wrestlers Are going after him for his 24-7 title Then <laughs> Gronkowski comes out of nowhere Dives off a platform and onto them all And pins Mojo Rawley to win the bout Gronk then hmm. escapes out of the building, abandoning his host of WrestleMania duties at the process. Yes. That, that didn't matter.
1: Yeah. Well, that, he, cause he mentions about wanting the gold, doesn't he? So, so he says a little bit of story there. There is also another story about this. So apparently the night before they recorded this, they're going through with Rob Gronkowski. They're like, I oh, yeah, and this is what like I want you to do. So Vince is there and he's like, So what you'll do is you'll be up on the platform. There'll be loads of guys here. You jump off backwards. He's like, oh, okay, right. And he's reticent to it. Doesn't really want to do it. And he's like, right, we'll get a practice. So you do it on some mats. And he won't do it. And apparently Vince just does it. And basically just says like, I'm a seventy year old man and I can do it. Surely you can do it, Rob Gronkowski. And
3: he mm-hmm. still did a shitty. You could still tell he was fucking scared to do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he basically like he must be about a foot above their hands. Because he's hanging so low. It's like, <laughs> come on, mate. Although, it does make sense. So I was talking to my fiancé about this. So I was like, oh, it's hosted by Rob Gronkowski because she is an American football fan. And he was allegedly going to sign, wasn't he, for WWE after this. Yeah. Like quite a long-term deal. And he then signed for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I think it's a month after this. So I'm guessing he didn't want to hurt himself. <laughs> but he also didn't want to tell Vince that he wanted to get paid probably
2: so yeah i mean i'd have been scared so in fairness to him although i wouldn't i wouldn't being paid for it so maybe if i was paid for it, i wouldn't be so scared <laughs>
1: yeah
2: uh, then we get an advert for edges 24 7 documentary which i'm sure the earlier match was a great advert for
1: oh I'll, then... I'll, t- I'll tell you what though i'll tell you what no it is excellent it it looks really, good. it's really really good and i will say that Well, I've kind of gone off a little bit, actually, since he's gone to AEW, some of the things I've seen him say. But I really like Adam Copeland as a person. Every time I've seen him like properly interviewed, I used to listen to his in Christian's podcast. And they they are just two thoroughly decent human beings. And there was something really nice about watching that. This documentary as well afterwards. I think I watched it pretty much straight away. That is why i always have a soft spot for his Royal Rumble return.
2: I mean, don't me worry, the the Royal Rumble return is amazing. Had he stopped there, we'd have been all we'd have been laughing. Yeah. Uh- so we then get the Raw Tag Team title match. It's the Street Profits against Angel Garza and Austin Theory, a match that goes six minutes and 20 seconds and ends when uh, Ford hits a frog splash on Theory and Angelo Dawkins pins him to retain the belts. After the match, Garza and Theory attack Montez Forward and hold him so Vega can deliver a kick. But then Bianca Belair arrives on the scene and takes out Vega as the Street Profits recover to clear out the heels. Old oh, man.
1: I mean, this is a weird little group, I think. Whoever's commentating says that, oh, four guys debut WrestleMania matches. So, uh, nice. And then they introduce Austin Theory, and I'm like, what? And yeah, then this the was angel goes there, and I'm like, ex- what?
2: Well, we explained this on uh, night one episode on uh, Andrade, who was due to be in this match, so yeah. Austin Theory couldn't appear.
1: Oh, no, it wasn't that. It was the fact that they'd been around for that long.
2: Ah, I see. Yeah,
1: they're yeah, the, yeah.
2: They're still going, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now that's it's, a really good point, though. So let me. If, sorry to yeah. uh, interrupt, but that is a really good point because think about that. That's four years minimum, because mm. obviously they've been in it before this, so it isn't yeah. actually it's more than four years. And imagine that in 1988 to 1992, someone been in the company for four years, they would have done some. Damn significant things. Now, fairness to Austin Theory, I guess he has had one or two quite important things, but Angel Garza's done nothing for four years, effectively. Like, literally nothing.
1: Well, I mean, you say that. He had this match. That's true. He had this match. Apologies. I take (laughs) it all back. (laughs) But no, I do take your point because, yeah, I was just like, oh, okay. They put a lot into this, these lads. I think the hot tag to Montez Ford is tremendous, and they managed to get a hot tag. Given the circumstances, I'm like, you know what? Fair fucking pain. What circumstances,
2: tri- you- old man? What circumstances?
1: Uh, just constipated. constipated.
3: Hemorrhoids.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. There's a moonsault to the outside by Angel, by Chris Angel, that is spectacular. Looks really, really excellent. And, uh, yeah. What, is, what did I I can't, can't read me, writing, sorry, lads.
2: But
1: I, <laughs> I can't read this much. Oh, there's the... There's a splash by Montez Ford to Austin Theory, who is who was covering Angelo Dawkins. That was it. That was it. I think. Well, I don't know.
2: The Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's start again.
2: No, let's you not. Know. Let's just breeze past it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, this is fast-paced action, and it was very much needed after Edge and Orton's fest. And I didn't really understand the beatdown afterwards. Bianca Belair comes out, and I was like, oh, that's nice, because for those who don't know her, Montez Ford are married. I don't know if they had an affiliation in NXT, though. I don't have a clue. And to my knowledge, it wasn't well known that they were married. So I was a bit like, oh, that's weird. But then I looked at Bianca Belair, and I was like, she's a fucking star as well. Like, just immediately, I can remember watching her in... I it was like a third match on NXT. I must have watched about four episodes of NXT TV in my lifetime since it started. And she was on one of them. And she was in like a three minute squash match against someone. And I was like, fucking hell, that, she's fucking brilliant. And I didn't see anything of her for about three years. Suddenly she main event in night one of WrestleMania. So I know her. Called it. Tick for Sam.
2: Once again, another one of those things like Tom <laughs> called you out on the other the other week where you basically said you proved that you were right about something without any proof.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh you know what it was, mate. It's three seventeens plus
3: one. Oh, that's right, yeah. That's
2: fair. <laughs>
1: yeah. I okay, can now, mate. So Matt, what, what
3: did you it? think? <laughs> To, to be honest, I, I mean, I've got next to nothing on this because he's just, I, I just felt he was, he was kind of there, he was a bit nothing. I, I I spent half the match thinking, What the fuck is Austin Theory doing there? I totally forgot that this was wrestling. The wrestling. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's right wrestling.
3: Yeah, was, <laughs> was, was he? Um oh! <laughs> Well, he did. He didn't do that good kind a of job of it. It didn't fucking convince me. We've <laughs> like gone too hard on him. Too hard. <laughs> Hey, well, consider when he gets two years later. He eventually improves, but this this wasn't it. And yeah, it was just it was just there. It was quite bland. I think it was just a setup for um, Bianca Belair to to come out at the end. And you know, you're right. I don't think they had mentioned that she was married to Montez ever. And then yeah, all of a sudden it's like, oh, there she is. But I was like, I like Bianca Belair. That's cool. What's next?
2: Look, if this is a setup just to get Bianca Belair's debut going, then I'm fine with that. Like, mm-hmm. given how big a star she is, given that she headlined WrestleMania next the next year, I think it is the next year she headlines yeah, WrestleMania night one. I, I think fair play. You I have no problem with them using the tag team titles to launch the, a, a main event star. No problem at all. And I'm with you, Matt. I just thought it was a bit like, okay, great. I don't care. There's no reason for me to care about this at all. I I just don't care. And it didn't help that Garza and Theria just thrown together, obviously, at last minute, but, you know, still didn't help because you know they're not going to win. And if they do, it's stupid. (laughs) They shouldn't win. So not interested, but fine, whatever. And then we get the five, fatal five-way elimination match for the WWE SmackDown Women's title. It was Bailey, Sasha Banks, Lacey Evans, Tamina, and Naomi. A nineteen, nearly twenty-minute match, uh, which ends when Sasha helps Bailey win the title, and then raises Bailey's hand at the end, having kind of, I guess, teased a little bit of a breakup when there was an earlier bit of miscommunication.
3: Matt. Um. Oh God, it's somber. Yeah. <laughs> This was. The, I, I, let's start with the positives. Um, the camera work that was sort of when Sasha came, <laughs> but no. When, let's, start, uh, let's, start with, let's start with the positives. I really liked the the lighting. Of <laughs> <laughs> you you got to find the good with the bad, I'm new. Yeah, when Sasha was in the ring and Bailey was coming out, they kind of kept the focus on Sasha's view of Bailey just to try and show that obviously the tension is between those two and that's where the issue was. So I thought that was kind of cool. So, so that was good. Yeah, other than that, trying to find positives in this, it was more of Lacey Evans, I think, than I've ever seen in any WWE match. And that was not a net positive because she's just not that great, unfortunately. I mean, the, the one thing I found quite funny is Tamina got the exact reaction that she would have got had there been people in the audience. But <laughs> And, yeah, other than this, it was just a quite boring match. I mean, Naomi had some decent spots in it, and I quite like Naomi. I would have liked to have seen her do more in WWE before, uh, obviously, she left. But I didn't think this was up to much either. It was a bit thrown together last minute. It was just to further the the Bailey and Sasha Banks thing, so it was okay.
1: Oh, man, what did you think? Well, I really enjoyed this. You've got the lineup of wrestlers First, Sasha, me and and Bailey, all right, I'm on board with that. Tamina, we know where this is going. We know exactly what angle they're going to use in this match, and they do. But I think they do it quite well. And Lacey Evans, don't get Lacey Evans. Never got it. Never understood it. Didn't ever see anything in her. But I thought she was cracking it. I thought she was really, really good. She put heck of a shift in. She's selling all over the shop for people, and she looked. very much like a very steady hand, which I think she probably actually was, but just n- not a whole lot to her. No idea what her character is. A sassy southern belle? What the fuck is that? Is is her last name End? <laughs> <laughs> naughty, naughty, naughty. Um, she,
3: she never had a character, I think, which was half the problem.
1: Yeah, and then her character was going to be having an affair with Ric Flair. But then, thankfully, both for her and her husband, she got pregnant. So that's a good thing, because she obviously got to have another child, which they obviously wanted, and she didn't have to get off with Ric Flair, which is a bonus for everyone, to be honest. Bailey is on good form in this, I think. she's She mocks Naomi's dancing. She keeps saying that she used to, like, dance her way back up the thing. Just constantly going on about the dancing. She has a go at Michael Cole and JBL, that which I enjoy. Obviously, she had a Michael Cole. Phase which pretty much lasts ad nauseum from pretty much when she debuted on the main roster. There's an excellent moonsault by Lacey Evans as well, which I forgot to mention. Really, really good. And I thought it was just well done. I liked that they didn't go for the lazy Sasha Banks versus Bailey at the end. I appreciated that. I didn't think much of the finish, i got to be honest. I kind of noticed at one point, because I, you you started by putting over the camera work, and I'll give them some credit too, because there's an angle where you've got Lacey Evans and Bailey both on the mat in the ring, and then you look to the left and Sasha Banks is still led outside on the floor, which kind of could have done without, to be honest. So actually, it's shit camera work. <laughs> Fucking awful. <laughs> And this is like 19 minutes. I thought it whipped by quite nicely. And then JBL, it was on a very odd rant about what kids should be striving to do. They shouldn't get participant medals. They should be winners. And I was like, you're a fucking cunt. Shut up. John, John bollocks, Layfield. (laughs)
2: John Bollocks Layfield. Yeah,
1: well, you know what he'd done, and I actually there is actually a point to that. He just taken the shine off of any of the performers. And I was like, why are you making this about yourself, mate? You've been called in because they they asked a broom to do it, and they were unavailable. So they asked <laughs> you to come in. You fucking cretin! Fuck off! Fuck off! You, well, a... Alistair Black. And lastly, fuck off. (laughs) And Randy
2: Orton and Edge and uh, everybody involved in that one. We've had a lot of (laughs) fuck off in this episode. It's been impressive. Um, I'm actually entirely in agreement with you, old man. I thought that this was actually really enjoyable. And I've never liked Lacey Evans. I remember when, I think it's the Royal Rumble 2019, possibly. The first time I saw her, whenever that was. She I thought and I may have been wrong in this, but I thought she was playing like a character that was like a little bit right wing. I thought the idea like she was playing like conservative values woman mm. or something was kind of a, a gimmick. And I instantly hated that. And then I didn't watch like obviously I watched that and WrestleMania then didn't watch for a year. And then when I come back, she's a baby face and she's like the southern belle. I'm like, yeah, she's playing the same character, but now it's a baby face. Because if that's mm. funny, I'm not happy at all. Now, I don't think she was. But given that also her forearm is called the woman's right. I was like, this is, I'm not, I'm not with this at all. Like, it's, it's, I'm really not liking it. But credit to her, I thought she was really good. I've actually literally written Lacey has really impressed me in this match. The one bit that really stuck out was the was the women's right when she hit ba- uh, Sasha Banks with it. I was like, wow! That looked properly, like, fully on in. Yeah, she's really good. I liked, I think Bailey's phenomenal. Like, just as a heel, she's absolutely tremendous. She She's just so good, and she's the kind of good heel that people will hate, but also, if you've got you're a grown-up there and you're and you're willing to play along you can really revel in her heel work like you can just enjoy it and get and like and add to the atmosphere of being you know booing her and whatever else like the pantomime villain with no real you know hate for it but there's plenty of people who will dislike it so it doesn't it doesn't hurt the character at all she thinks she's great i just think she's really 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 great so i really enjoyed it the finish was a letdown but i thought overall this was good i thought this was really good the Tamina bit was pointless. Like, as you said, we know exactly what's happening here. They're going to betray her as the monster, but everyone's going to team up on her and then you're going to get rid of her quickly. That's what they always do with Tamina. It's pretty much what they, they've always done with her. I don't think I can remember a time when they p- portrayed her in any other way other than she's going to kill everyone. Oh, no, she's not because everyone teamed up on her and she's gone. That's pretty much it. But yeah, other than that, I thought this was really decent. Really decent.
1: Tamina didn't even have a good music. <laughs> Ta-
3: me no. Nah. Ta- me. No. Nah. T- t- and, and anybody else go crazy though for for Team Bad when they got Oh, yeah, the reunion. Together? Yeah.
1: yeah. Wow. wow. God, what a memorable moment. You know what though? It reminded me of when we watched Sasha and Bailey take over Brooklyn and you pointed out, Tinky, mm. that Naomi and Tamina are in the crowd and they are so in the match. Yeah. But they're loving it. And it did bring back that memory of recording that show, because it's a really good one. If we listen to it, get back and listen to it, you little scamp. Come on, do them all while you're on it. Download them, delete them, download them, delete them. Do that, do that.
2: Lovely. Yeah, that would be a good idea. No, I I find it interesting. If there had been a crowd here, I wonder how many people would even realise what they were doing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Do you (laughs) know what I mean? Like, it it was so... No, it was it was so innocuous and, and not not Tinky. important. <laughs> yeah, I no, literally, I'm yes, yes. yes. It. It's oh my bad god, team bad. Team bad. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, seriously, ah! <laughs> I seriously imagine nobody would have would have <laughs> noticed it though. We then get an advert for WrestleMania 37 at LA next year, which, as we said last uh, two weeks ago, didn't happen. We will cover what did happen. In the new year. Then we get all the John Cena and Bray Wyatt stuff. Then when we come back to the performance center after that, Titus O'Neill is looking shocked and says he doesn't know what we just saw.
1: <laughs> that means great. <laughs> you know what? He sums it up Perfectly
2: yeah I, I don't think he does i think if he said i know what i just saw it was shit <laughs> oh I, I yeah,
1: yeah he should have gone i've just done a big shit in my pants that was better than that <laughs> and it's and it's pure water
2: and then that is oh, oh, oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> legend
2: Amazing.
1: Go on Titus.
2: Uh, I can't make the noise properly because it requires you to be quite loud and I can't be that loud anymore because my son is asleep. Yeah. Then we get the hype video for our main event with the Drew McIntyre voiceover to start, then footage of the Rumble with Lesnar eliminating everyone and Drew entering at 16 and eliminating Lesnar, then going on to win the Rumble. Heyman then saying that McIntyre is a fraud, Lesnar attacking Drew on Raw, telling the story of McIntyre's rise and journey to this <laughs> match. The match itself goes for a whopping four and a half minutes and ends when Drew McIntyre hits what I believe are four or maybe three four no four Claymores and then pins Lesnar and wins the belt Drew is emotional to have won the title Oh
3: man
1: let's rewind a little bit Royal Rumble 2020 one of the best I can remember in probably the last decade the bit where Lesnar has thrown everyone out is amazing the part where so is it Ricochet who's in the ring as well? Yes. Yes. Just does something, doesn't he, to Lesnar to distract him. gets, That's it. And then he clean then uh McIntyre claim was it's so perfectly done because I can remember when I watched it, I was like, Oh, why did he just do it straight off the bat? But you needed that distraction by Ricochet just to create that little bit of doubt. I was like, Oh, I don't know about this. It's phenomenally done. Like, and obviously then later on in the match you get the edge come back is a really really good good rumble i am gonna have to mention the crowd this is the one bit where i'm definitely definitely gonna have to because he would have been probably for at least a year he would have been the biggest guy in the company mcintyre like by a distance i think if this is in front of a crowd because i think everyone wanted him to win everybody wanted him to have that moment now i think that would have worn out I think people would have got tired of him. But I think they would have probably got a year out of him because I think that once he'd kind of achieved winning the title, I think people would have been, "Uh, fine. I think if they'd have also had this match laid out as it was in front of a crowd, it would have been a fucking disaster. And that might have actually ruined what happened. Lesnar is a little bit porky here. I'm going to say probably not that motivated, but also probably, quite honestly, not able to train as much as he probably does like week to week in particular in a build up to mania because of the lockdowns that were going on. It's funny like he's in the rumble and he looks like a fucking million dollars. He looks motivated. He looks like he's having a great time. And then in this, I kind of feels like he's phoning it in a little bit, which I can kind of understand. It also kind of feels like Heyman's phoning it in a little as well. I don't know whether they just really struggled to motivate themselves for it, but It gets the job done. I think given the setting, it's the best way to do it as well. These two couldn't have had a 13-minute match or anything like that, I don't think, not without any crowd investment. I think it probably goes a bit long, in all honesty. I think it probably should have been three. I think it should have been a Claymore straight out of the blocks, two more Claymores done because...
2: You're talking about in and Edge now, yeah?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like there's there's no drama from the kickouts. There's no like there's no point to the German suplexes. There's not there's n- there's no real reason for this to be other than to get the title on Drew McIntyre. And yeah, it's kind of fine. I know uh, Lesnar's emotional at the end. I do feel bad for him. I gotta be honest. I do actually. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I do feel some sympathy for him in that this was the moment he was going to be crowned and he'd earned it, like he'd properly, I know you've spoken glowingly about it when you've met him, Tinky a couple of times, and the time that he took to like remember who you were, and yeah, it felt a bit sad watching this the first time, and I felt really sad the second time, and I know he does that thank you to the camera, I fucking hated it, because (laughs) it felt, I think watching it again, it felt so insincere. I'd no doubt that he wanted to thank so many people, but it just didn't really hit for me. But it got, they achieved what they had to do with this whole night, which was to get the title on Drew McIntyre, just not really in the most exciting way that they could have done it. Well, I'd say on that, in terms of insincere, I
2: think it's insincere, but not in a performative way. It's yes, insincere yes. in a sense that I want to thank everybody, mm. but I'm not feeling quite as happy mm. as you might imagine I should be. And that's yes. why it's insincere because he yes. he's not actually as happy as he should be in that moment.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent thank you for clarifying that. No, you know what? He's an ungrateful bastard.
3: <laughs> Matt, what did you think?
1: I, you what, I I almost feel like a bit
3: <laughs> no offense, man, but I, I almost feel a bit deflated after that. <laughs> right. Like this has been quite a quite a positive and up there vibe, and I just feel uh, a, bit, a bit deflated now. <laughs> You popped my balloon. How dare you? The the video package I, I want to talk about first because, again, I've mentioned it throughout the show that I felt that the video packages have been great, and this was no exception. I felt this was another great one, told the story wonderfully. And do you know what? The, granted, this wasn't on the show, but I remember vividly seeing this. Some of the BT Sports promo packages and videos were Drew McIntyre training on a mountain. Mm moving boulders and shit, shouting Brock's name was <laughs> fucking brilliant. Right um, um, rocky, that is. Yeah, ex- ex- that's exactly what I was about to say. Very rocky, S. So good. And, and then and then you had the match. Now, I find it almost a bit hard to defend this because I think, as a lot of people know, I'm a big, big fan of both Brock and Drew, and particularly the, quote, sort of Brock Lesnar formula of, of matches, of which... Let's face it at this point, is that you know, you know, five six minutes suplex f5 kick out? I hit you with my finisher type thing, and it's got to the point now where I think it's been done to death. We've seen it with Goldberg, it was great, it was the right time for it, it worked in part. We've seen it with Roman Reigns, you can make the case of whether or not it worked there, not maybe, maybe not. In this case, here, I don't, I don't know, I'd like to think that. I think that it would have worked in front of a crowd. Is I do think it's definitely sort of on its last legs. But when Drew kicked out of the F5 at the one, I felt that would have been particular the, the big crowd pop that potentially they were trying to get. i, I got to be honest, oh man, I, I do disagree in the sense of them not being motivated. I felt Paul Heyman was great, as as he always is at ringside. I felt he was great. Showing things like, you know... You know, this is not pain yet. You're going to feel pain and, you know, stuff like that. Brock, you know, being the beast grunting and snarling and all that was was just great. But the, the finish, I mean, again, this match was built the way that they did it. It was built, all the near fours was built for that crown response. So I do feel they should have done a different type of match. But just to give you an idea of how sort of deflated I felt of the match as a whole, was here's the last few notes that I wrote, Drew hits a Claymore, then another Claymore, then another Claymore. <laughs> Drew wins the WWE Championship. Now, I laughed as I wrote that back to myself because I was just going, okay, he hits it. Then he hits another one, and another one. And it just kind of felt a bit like that. So I was like, ugh. And this fucking should have been his moment. Absolutely right. Drew had worked his balls off to get to the point where he was at. This was his time and it was... So unbelievably cruelly taken from him. I'm going to try so hard not to talk about a certain paper that was held in Cardiff. When I also felt he was robbed. But that's the story for another day. This was the time when he should have had his moment, done. It was denied to him. So I do feel for him for that. But he got, he, he did get it. You know, it's, it's, in a way, it's one of those, you know, he got it, but he didn't sort of get it. I do think that looking... Ahead to the ring that he had. I think the stuff he did with Randy Orton was actually pretty good. And in front of a crowd, it could have actually been done quite well as well. We unfortunately will never know. And the sad thing is, don't get me wrong, currently he's on, he's doing quite well on Raw as we speak. I don't think another WWE Championship reign is in his future. And I fuck, I think that's unfair.
2: Maybe, so, maybe, a, world, maybe a World Heavyweight Championship reign. Who knows?
3: I'm not even convinced of that, to be honest.
2: Yeah, no, I think I think you're going to find that given the length of Reigns' um, reign as <laughs> the uh, Universal <laughs> WWE Champion, that that's going to be pretty exclusive in general for a while and maybe from now on. Yeah, I mean, my abiding feeling of this is I feel pretty sorry for Drew McIntyre. So in addition to, I, I put a Facebook post up just after Royal Rumble when McIntyre won. In addition to saying the stuff about McIntyre, which I've said before, which is that he's just a just a great guy I said I'll be honest and say I never thought he'd get his chance at the main event of WrestleMania when I spoke to him he'd just gone back to TNA and I thought much like so many other wrestlers he's just going to disappear now he'll do this for a couple of years and then that'll be it'll he retire and it tends to happen especially with British wrestlers when they leave WWE they kind of go well that's that was it I I got there it's not going to happen I'm done kind of thing that just tends to happen but he didn't stop he just kept going and So I never thought he'd get there. And he seemed on his way down the ladder at that time having been released by WWE six months before I saw him. But last night he won the Royal Rumble and will be headlining the biggest show in the industry in under three months. What an achievement that is. So I'm completely in agree with your man. He absolutely deserved it because he Mm. worked so fucking hard to get back to that level uh, against the odds, I think, because it just doesn't happen very often. Again, especially for British wrestlers, because once you finish with WWE, the draw of moving back home, is such that you're likely not to get noticed again. Now, he did go back home, in fairness, and, but at a time when British wrestling just happened to be in a pretty good place. But on top of that, he also worked for TNA and, and really worked hard, worked for Evolve, did loads of stuff that you know took him out of his comfort zone and meant that he had to really improve as a, an overall performer and did. So I, that was my overall, overall feeling at the end of this. I didn't like the match at all. I thought it was really poor. I thought I think you're probably right, Matt. I I didn't think of it the way you put it, but you're right. I think they built this for a crowd, but they knew there was no crowd. So they had to change it up, in my view. And what it came across, I didn't like the fact that, for example, McIntyre kicked out of three FIs. I thought that was silly. It felt like Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 34 when he kicked out about 75 of them. It just didn't feel real. It just just felt completely like, oh, this is just silly now. We've we've gone beyond suspending your disbelief. And you're just like, this guy could just kick out of anything because why not? You know, what's the, what's the point? And then he beats him again with, it just felt like very, again, I think to your point, Matt, it got to that point where the, the formula had just it eaten itself, like it was now silly it just it just felt silly and i never i, I you know i, I don't really necessarily think that that was bad at any other point actually before this it, it just in this moment i felt like oh it's become so efficient that it's silly it just doesn't it doesn't work for me at all so i really didn't like the match i think also it was never likely to be very good because without the crowd they tried to make a big fight feel and you're like there's no crowd you can't do that with a, without a crowd that's just not possible you've got to find a different way to make something of this match and they didn't I thought that was a disappointment. So, yeah, it was a bit of a flat note. Ultimately, this WrestleMania ended on because maybe I'm not sure it felt that way necessarily at the time. But now looking back, especially given the fact that, for example, McIntyre didn't even get to beat Lashley the next year, you know, for the title back. Mm. You kind of think, oh, this really was the year for him. Headlined WrestleMania, won the WWE title, made it effectively, did the thing that everybody wants to do at least once. Did it but it wasn't in front of a crowd so did he really do it like in his own mind probably he doesn't feel that way because he didn't get that moment
1: that was i'd see something i was going to say is like it feels like it doesn't really exist it like like Strowman's universal title Rain, doesn't really exist like it doesn't
0: i, I think it, the one thing
2: one thing i will say for him though is that it's made him a main event star ever since hmm so, I'm not sure he was there before this. So, I mean, and don't get it wrong, he would have been there if there had been a crowd, more probably more so but if if he can if he can find the positive in this, it is that since this moment regardless of whether he ever wins the WWE title again. And I don't think that will be high on his list of priorities. I think higher on his list of priorities will be having the WrestleMania main event, regardless of whether he wins anything. I mean, mm. I, I think he'd be happy to lose in the main event, so long as he gets it in front of a crowd. But I think if he wants to see the silver lining, is that since then he has been a star. And I also think that the company feel a little indebted to him, because of mm. the fact that he really did carry the company on his back for those nine months when they had no crowd or however long it was in the sense that he was the champion, did everything he could, showed up all the time, headlined every major show. Can't really argue with that.
3: If only they rewarded him at a pay-per-view <laughs> show in the UK that, in front of his home country, man, that, that would have been something. That, you said you said it yourself many, many times, it's not about
2: deserving it. <laughs> and it's not. That's- and that's why
3: if ever there was, <laughs> this <laughs> is it.
2: there's always there's always some hypocrisy. Always. <laughs> OK, so we've gone through the whole show. So it's time for our overall thoughts. Scores out of 10 and any other business that we haven't yet covered. Let's start with you, old man.
1: Well, match the night is Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. That's Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley. They aren't sisters. I'll be honest, rating this is pretty tough, actually, because we've got the opener, which is absolutely cracking. You've then got Otis and Mandy, that storyline, which I really enjoyed. I thought the match was as good as it could be, quite honestly. Alistair Black and Lashley. uh, Edge and Orton, get the fuck away from me and never darken my door ever again. Austin Theory and Angel Garza against Street Profits, which I quite enjoyed. Really enjoyed the five-way elimination match. Despised Cena and The Fiend and didn't like the main event and felt bad when it came to the main event. And I think what you've got is you've got the main event and the other two biggest matches on the cards. Two of them are the drizzling shits. And one of them, because of the circumstance, I think really, really suffers. But as Tinky said, they could have easily pivoted away from the layout of match that they did. And it's kind of saved by the end of card. I'm going to give it a five out of ten. And I think that's probably fair. It's a five or six, but I think five's better. In terms of MVP, I am going to give it to Charlotte Flair because I think she works her absolute bollocks off. And it was, I forgot to say this in my runner it was reminiscent of how, and I know we mentioned him earlier, how Bret Hart would try and get people over. She worked her fucking bollocks off to make Rhea Ripley look a million dollars and she managed it. Obviously, Rhea Ripley massively played a part as well. But, yeah, well done, Charlotte. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Sorry, Matt. I need to say this. Byron Saxton and Todd Phillips, Tom Phillips, whatever his name is, I cannot put into words how insipid their commentary was. <laughs> and I'm sat there and I'm like, there were matches. And I'm just like, fucking Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then I'm like, hang on. You've got Byron Saxton as the storyteller. What the fuck? Who like who? You imagine sitting there with Byron Saxton <laughs> <just> going, Byron, <laughs> uh, Byron, you're gonna lead the commentary in terms of like the the stories for the wrestlers. Do you reckon you could do that? And he's like. Well, no, not really. <laughs> he's like, ah, you can do it, lad, don't worry. We? We've got we got no one else, so get out there and do it. Absolutely awful. The only commentator that comes out of this show, with to be honest, he's not particularly good, is Michael Cole, because all Michael Cole was doing is trying to lead everyone through the show. Yeah. Michael Cole was there. He's like, right, cling on to me. We're going to get through this show. We know it's weird. It's okay. Just come with me and get through it. He's sat next to JBL. Oh, Jesus. JBL in... The Cena and the fiend rolled into a ball with brandy Orton and edge. horrible, horrible shit It just won't won't clear we've had some some shit talk in our uh, WhatsApp group today. so proper clinger. you wouldn't need a B day which Stephen wants in all of his houses I don't know how many houses he's got, but you need a fire hose, an absolute fire hose to get that shit off my ass and that's all I've got to say about that and I think the dogs just had a piss on the floor, so there we go
3: lovely. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I wasn't a fan of the match either. Yeah, I, I agree. And like in rating the show as a whole, it was it was very much the definition of mixed bag. Um, so for that reason, I do kind of feel that it's fair to to go smack bang in the middle, uh, same as old man, and give it a five. Name my match of the night earlier, it it Charlotte Rhea, Ripley, you know, runaway match of the night and MVP of the night. Like I said, probably first and only time we'll ever get it. Otis, I salute you and your love story with Mandy Rose.
2: Well, that's uh, that's very nice. It's very nice, Matt.
3: I'm giving this show a three out of 10.
0: I (laughs)
2: thought this was dreary (laughs) as hell. And you know what? Like, I I accept there probably is a mixed bag in terms of quality, but where the quality matters, it was shit. Main event wasn't any good. The two matches, as you said, oh, man, the next two biggest matches were absolutely terrible certainly Mm. my view some people like some people like the cena wyatt thing i did not in any way and then edge and randy Orton is probably i'm gonna argue the worst match in wrestlemania history in the sense that it's all you know i'd rather watch something that's embarrassing and absolutely god-awful for five minutes than watch this again like it's 36 minutes long like nearly 37 minutes like fuck off worst match in wrestlemania history easy
3: I think Dave Meltzer said that actually and got shit for saying really?
2: it. Yeah. I think he's right. I think he's right. I'm I'm with Dave on this one. I think it's <laughs> shit. My match of the night was the opener. And had that been, because I think I don't want to undervalue Charlotte Flair as a performer. She's obviously a main event star, but she's against the NXT champion. So even though they have a great match, it is not a massively important one in my view. Had it been... A more important match, and they, you know, it had been sort of positioned as such. I think that might have contributed to a better overall rating. But as I say, given those three main matches were a washout in my view, I can only give it what I've given it. My MVP, as I said, is the referee in the Orton Edge match because my goodness, he must have lost (laughs) his voice of all the counting he did over the course of the match. And uh, and that's it. Yeah, not not a fan of this, and I much preferred Night One by quite a long way, if I'm honest. And that's WrestleMania 36 in the in the record books, which is very nice to be able to say. I feel like we're after the five-hour WrestleManias and then this one without a crowd. We are finally at a point where I'm again looking forward to, to the next shows because <laughs> it be, it's been a yeah, tough yeah. old... Yeah, since WrestleMania 32, it's been a real kind of... It's been a bit of a slog at times. That, in terms of where that puts WrestleMania 36 Night 2 on the list of WrestleManias, it is in 29th place from... What is now 37 shows, because obviously 36 is two different shows. So quite a way, quite a way down the list. Only WrestleMania's 12, 1, 9, 4, 32, 27, 11, and 2 are below it. So it's in good company.
1: Sorry, can I check a spanner in the works?
2: Of course.
1: I'm going to give it a four. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I can't, I'm thinking here yeah, and I'm like, what are the sh- I'm just running through thinking what other shoes have I given fives to and those two, the Last <laughs> Man Standing match and the Firefly Funhouse is so bad, like thrown my shoes at the TV bad. so yeah.
2: <laughs> cool, okay, well that does bring WrestleMania 36 Night 2 down one spot, so it's uh, dropped yeah, down, only one spot. Good, so no, you bastard. Josh. Right, <laughs> That is just about everything for today. We've covered WrestleMania 36. We are through the COVID mania. Thank you for your contributions today, old man.
1: Well, thank you very much. You know what, right? I enjoyed that. enjoyed talking about that. There were plenty of talking points. But we've just got, we've just got to do one thing, haven't we, people? It doesn't matter if there's there's a crowd or not. You've got a rate. Rate. Review. Review. <laughs> and remember. Remember. Pimper Tara. Patera!
2: <laughs> Matt, thank you for joining us as well.
1: Pleasure as always, gentlemen.
3: Thoroughly enjoyed this one. I was wanting to do something Mr. Kennedy related there, but I just can't be asked. Um, <laughs> yeah, as you sort of said earlier, this will be coming out on Christmas Eve. So, Merry oh, Christmas yeah. to those of you who are listening. Happy New Year. Have a great time. Get pissed or don't. Open some cool gifts, some cheesy ones, whatever. Do your thing. Have a good time. Some cheesy ones, eh? <laughs> didn't get get like a cheesy Christmas present no I was just about
2: to say if you want to do something like Mr. Kennedy just shit the bed but you did so it doesn't matter wow (laughs) this has been the Random Wrestling Review Merry Christmas to everyone we'll be back in two weeks time with the first night of Wrestlemania 67 until then take care